Well, good morning, everybody. I also want to say a quick hello to those who are joining us over in our venue and those who are joining us online. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Peace. And let me start with these words. Today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Amen and amen. So you don't have to go to Sunday school very long before you're taught the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. Many of you probably know the end of this phrase. Jesus says to his first disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's a, for many would consider it, it's a basic, well-known Bible story. Again, you don't got to go to Sunday school very long to hear that. In fact, the, the resources for teaching that story to kids are endless. I, I googled fishers of men crafts, and I got a lot of great things. Google gave, Google gave me a lot of great things. I want to show you some of them when we teach kids about being fishers of men. Uh, this story that we're going to be looking at today is found on Math, in Matthew chapter 4. I'd invite you to turn there now. Get ready. We're going to read it in a few moments. But as we teach this to kids in Sunday school, uh, sometimes we make little bracelets, little bracelets that they can wear so that when they're out and about, they are reminded to make fishers of men, which you guys know means to share the love and message of Jesus. You can make little bracelets to remind. You can make little games, about, do little fishing games. We even, even came up with snacks to reinforce this message. Look at how delicious this looks. <laughs> Little fishing rods with licorice. I tell you what, if, if, if a jar of those wound up on my desk this week, I would bless whoever made those. <laughs> just gonna throw it out there right now. But this next craft for me is just like the quintessential best Sunday school craft for this message I've ever seen. You guys ready? Talking about being fishers of men, you can make a little craft that actually put men in nets. <laughs> that for me is just, what better way to tell kids about capturing people <laughs> than a little craft where you put little men inside nets? It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. We teach this to our kids but how often do we preach on it? We tell this to our kids, but adults, let me ask, how many of you are out there making fishers of men? This passage, Matthew chapter 4, is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is like the first thing he does. He calls us to go and be fishers of men, to go and share the gospel and see people come to faith in him. And you may be thinking to yourself, and maybe you even want, maybe you even want to say to me right now, hold on, pastor, listen here, I'm not an evangelist. That's not my gift, that's for somebody else. You know, I think you're more capable than what you think. And I think COVID showed us this. I think COVID showed us there are far more evangelists out there than what we might have first thought. If you at any point posted or told someone your opinion on the masks or the mandates, guess what? You an evangelist. <laughs> you need to be taking that energy 
as well-meaning as you were and put that towards Jesus and sharing the message that he has. Matthew chapter 4 is a well-known story. It's the way that Jesus starts his ministry. And so while you may have learned this in Sunday school, let's revisit this as adults. It'll be up on the screen, but I do hope that you have your Bible open in front of you. It will, again, it will be on the screen as we read this together. Let's do Matthew chapter 4. We'll do verses, 14, uh, sorry, ver- verses 17 to 22. From that time, Jesus began preaching, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. This is God's precious and holy word. Let's pray and we'll continue. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. We are so thankful, Lord, that you so love the world that you gave your son, that we might have eternal life and life to the fullest. And Lord, this is the gospel message that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave triumphing over Satan, sin, and death. Lord, this is the message that we have. His resurrection life is the one that we have. And so, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit to be upon us now that we might embrace and share this message with a broken, dying, divided, and confused world. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. So today, we are closing up a sermon series called Organic Disciples. We've been looking at what it means to follow Jesus naturally in our everyday lives. We've looked at different topics such as Bible engagements, passionate prayer, wholehearted worship, humble service, joyful generosity, consistent community, and as we're going to be looking at today, organic outreach. You know, in many ways... This story of Jesus calling us to be fishers of men, Jesus gives us a great model here of what it means to reach out naturally and organically. And I think a lot of us, when we we think about sharing our faith, we get real nervous and real excited, like this is an insurmountable task. But here's what I'd say to you, as with all things in the Christian faith, we look to Jesus and he models for us a very organic and natural way to do this. And as we walk through our passage today, I'm going to point out three things that I think would help us as we all who follow Christ would be organically outreaching. Jesus' example of organic outreach, it isn't just caring, it's calling. Jesus' example of organic outreach, it isn't just confrontational, it's contextual. And Jesus' example of organic outreach isn't just casual, it's continual. So first thing I think that we see in this passage is that Jesus' example of organic outreach isn't just caring, it's calling. We live in a world that loves to latch on to certain aspects of Jesus while totally ignoring other aspects of Jesus. 
We love certain parts of Jesus, but we want to act like other parts of him don't exist. We love, we love the Jesus that calls us to love the poor and the marginalized. We love the Jesus that tells us to care for the least of these. And he does. We are to be a caring people, but don't think for a second that Jesus didn't also call people. Call them to something better, something greater, something more holy. Our passage today starts in verse 17. And again, I hope you got your Bibles open on your laps. Our passage starts in verse 17. What's really important about this verse is that this is the verse where we see Jesus Christ start his ministry. He begins his preaching, proclaiming ministry with this verse. And look at the, look at the word and the phrase that Jesus uses to launch his ministry. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. The Son of God who came from heaven to earth, who grew into a man, he started his ministry with one of the most unpopular words in the human language, repent. Let's say it together. Repent. Jesus says, repent. Repent from your sins. Repent from the ways of the world because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Something better is arriving and we repent. That's how we get ready for it. We turn from the world and we turn to God and we embrace the kingdom that's coming. Jesus calls us to this because Jesus knows that the kingdom of heaven is where we truly live. And the kingdom of heaven is where we truly find our identity. That's who we are. That's who he's calling us to be, people of the kingdom. If you read the life of Jesus. One of the things I just really love about this, one of the ways you really see Jesus care for people is that Jesus was never annoyed when he was interrupted by people. He always made time for people. Jesus didn't just look at people. Jesus didn't just categorize people into certain demographics. He saw people. He saw every person made in the image of God. He didn't just look at them. He saw them. He saw who they were and what they were doing. I love this line, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. I want to hear something here for a moment. As you go through life and you have these difficult struggles and you look at what's happening in the world and you feel like maybe you're lost in the masses, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ sees you. He sees you. He sees through the noise, he sees through the crowd, and he sees you. The question is, do you see him? Do you hear him? Do you see him? He is calling to us. Not only does he care for us, which he does, but he calls to us. He's calling you out and calling you to something better. But listen here. I need to clarify this. For Jesus, caring for people does not mean coddling them in their sin. That's not caring. That's not caring when you coddle people in their sin. That's called enabling, and sin is destructive. And when you coddle people in their sin, you're just holding their hand as they walk towards destruction. 
Caring for people, yes, is loving them in the name of God, but you're steering them towards a better path. You're loving them off the path of sin and destruction towards the kingdom of heaven. Jesus calls us all to a new way of living in a real space that he calls the kingdom of heaven. Does Jesus care? Absolutely. But he calls us. He calls us to something better. And so we must remember This is what outreach is. This is where it leads. Outreach is not just compassionately caring for our neighbor. It's calling to them. It's loving them with the message of Jesus. So I want to ask you for a moment. I want you to think for a moment. Who is someone that you think is a lot like Jesus? I want you to think for a moment in your head, the people in your life, not some famous person, the people in your life, who do you you know that you think is a lot like Jesus? Now, if you're like me, when, when someone first posed that question to me, I'll be honest with you, I tried to think, okay, who's, who's, who's really gentle and kind? That's what I first thought. I tried to think, mm, who's, who's really gentle and kind? But here's what you need to realize. That, was Jesus gentle and kind? Yes. Was Jesus just gentle and kind? No. When you think about someone who's like Jesus, they're more like Jesus if they are out there preaching the gospel, announcing the kingdom of heaven, and calling people to something better. And yes, they do it with a spirit of truth and love. Because let's not forget, sharing the message of Jesus, that is where outreach leads. As we become more like Jesus, which all Christians are supposed to do, we will come to a point in our path of becoming more like our Savior, we'll come to the point where we are calling people and inviting them in to something better an alternative to the world. Jesus' example of organic outreach isn't just caring, it's calling. Second thing we see, uh, Jesus' example of organic outreach isn't just confrontational, it's contextual. I know, I know that very few people want to be the guy out on the street corner calling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, even though that's what Jesus did. No one wants to be that guy. Not everyone, not everyone is called to be a street preacher. I'll be honest with you. I've done it, and it was really awkward. I have done it. I have stood on a corner and just started speaking seemingly to no one and everyone at the same time. And just sharing, Jesus is the only way. I've done it in America, I've done it in Europe, and I've done it in Mexico. And I can tell you, I got three very different responses in Europe, in Europe, people were willing to stop and listen and engage in a very meaningful way. In America, I was just told to shut up. And in Mexico, I didn't get very much of a response, probably because I wasn't speaking Spanish. But <laughs> but, when we, but I think a lot of us, we, we, we want to we criticize and critique street preachers. But here's what I'd say. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. I think maybe sometimes it needs to happen. Sometimes people do need to be confronted with the truth. Jesus Christ had the guts to stand there and tell the masses to repent. Was Jesus confrontational? Clearly. But, but he was also contextual. Jesus was also very contextual. You have to ask yourself, we all do, 
what is the most effective way to reach the people that we're trying to reach? What's the context? See, on the one hand, we do see Jesus out there proclaiming the gospel, but let's look at this interaction that Jesus has with Andrew and Simon. So verse 18. So Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, they're casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. See, Jesus spoke in a way that they could relate to. Jesus spoke in language that they understood. Jesus didn't see them fishing and then say to them, follow me, boys, and I will show you how to fix the world. He might have said that if there were a couple of rednecks working on their truck. But they were fishermen out there fishing. And so he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus saw who they were and through that called them to something greater. This was a powerful but an oddly natural interaction. Jesus understood who they were and speaking to, speaking to them, he contextualized his calling. He spoke in a way they could understand. And we've been reading this book together as a church this summer called Organic Disciples. And I love what it says about organic outreach. On page 259, quote, Organic outreach is all about sharing faith in a way that's natural for us. It should also feel comfortable for the people to whom we're speaking. Sharing the message of Jesus should not freak us out or drive out spiritual speakers, drive spiritual seekers away. Every encounter is unique, and we can love, listen, pray, and share faith in a way that fits the person and the situation End quote. Now, this does not mean we should never do street preaching because sometimes a more shocking and confrontational approach is exactly what some people might need. But when that happens, it must always be done in a spirit of love. Jesus was confrontational at times, but listen to me, he was contextual too. To the woman at the well, he called himself the living water. To those who were hungry, he called himself the bread of life. To those who were grieving the death of a loved one, Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life. All true statements, but all very contextual. Jesus knew who he was speaking to because he saw them. He saw what they were going through. He saw what they were about. He saw what they were engaging in. He saw them. And he ministered accordingly. Jesus isn't just confrontational. He's contextual. And I think the last thing we see is Jesus isn't just casual. He's continual. Jesus was just walking by the lake, all casual-like, and he saw Simon and Andrew. But look what happens after he calls them. They follow him. Verse 21 after he calls Simon and, and, Simon and Andrew and they follow him, look what happens next. Verse 21. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Listen, listen to me. Jesus was casual he was constant, he was consistent, he was continual in his mission. Jesus, you need to hear me on this. Jesus was, was never in a hurry 
but he was always on mission. And that is what our lives should reflect, that we are always on mission, that everything we do is to the glory of God. Everything we do in some way, it got to reflect who we are in Christ. We need to understand that organic outreach isn't just casual, isn't just periodic, it's who we are as people. It is what we are always doing. Jesus was so effective because he made time for people. He captured their hearts and their attention and he spoke to them. He didn't speak past them, he didn't speak above them, he didn't speak through them, he wasn't like speaking to other people whilst talking to them, he spoke to them. And here's what I'd say to you, 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 yes, you are listening to me, you are giving opportunities every day to share God's love and God's message. Every day, you have an opportunity to invite people to church, to share your faith. But how many of those opportunities are you letting just slip by? One week ago today, my brother-in-law was looking at the week before him like many of you are right now, and it was just, it was to be a normal week, like many of you are thinking this next week will be like. He looked at this week and he thought it was just going to be a normal week. This was last Sunday. He did not realize when he went to bed Sunday night that by Thursday afternoon he'd be having brain surgery to remove tumors that he did not know that he had in his head. Cancerous, aggressive, fast-growing tumors. The type where the doctors don't talk in much hope. And as a family, we were rocked to our foundation. And as I'm in the hospital room with him this past week, sitting there with him in a hospital gown all wired up, do you want to know something? I was saying things to him that I should have said 20 years ago. I was praying for him and talking to him about Jesus in ways that I should have 20 years ago. And I look back now and I think, man, well, what, what would have been different if I made that more of a vibrant part of our relationship? If I spoke more love and truth to him on a consistent basis, how would, how would our relationship be different? How would he, would he approach this week differently than what he is? Now, praise to be to God, we sat with him as he confessed his need for his Savior. And I know that whether we have only two weeks with him or the next 25 years with him, that's up to God. I know that I'll see him again. But here's what we were very much reminded of this past week. You do not know how much time you have left. You do not know how much time the people sitting next to you have left. You do not know how much time the people you work with have left. You have a message that could shape their life for the better, and we hide it because we're scared or we don't want to be seen as an evangelical. And we have the message that can bring life to people even as they die. I'd be remiss if I didn't say real briefly, thank you so much for those of you who are aware and the ways you've been praying and sending support and encouragement. We're going to pray him through this. I'm praying 
these tumors back to the health from which they came. So thank you, church. But it is a stark reminder, and I don't think it's any coincidence that I'm preaching this message after this past week. As emotionally drained as my family is right now, you are not emotionally drained. Most of you aren't. You've got a lot of energy. And so this week, what are you going to use that energy for? Gospel purposes? Or are you going to hide it? Church, I'm going to tell you right now, I understand that we are a larger church, and I also know my church, and I also know that I think for many of us, we would consider ourselves, and not in a prideful way, but we'd consider ourselves like established, growing Christians. All the more reason a church like this should be embracing the power of the Holy Spirit to go out there to proclaim the gospel so that we might see more people baptized. Who As we look at this new school year and this new programming year, who here wants to see more adults baptized in the name of Jesus? You know what? I'm a covenant theologian. I'm not tried and true Baptist. I got Baptist tendencies, but I'm a covenant theologian. So let's just forego the, the, the raising our hand and let's just shout amen. Do you want to see more people baptized this year? Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. I'm talking people who do not come from a Christian family who are walking in the ways of the world in blind darkness, who do not know Christ. I think this church, if we truly get mobilized by the Spirit, understand the power of the message that we have, if we went out there and proclaimed it, we'd be dunking people every week here. And that's what I want to see. I know you want to see it too. So church, if this is going to happen, here's my challenge to us all. Leave your nets and follow Jesus. It's odd that in this, this, this weird little verse here, that the Bible could just say, when Jesus says, follow me, it could just say, it could just say, and they followed Jesus. But scripture adds this little detail, verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. These guys were fishermen. Fishing was how they made an income. It was their livelihood. They didn't use rods back then. They used nets. This was their tools. This was the tools of the trade. This was their jobs. This was their security. And when Jesus called to them, they left their nets and they started their mission. That's what it means to follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you are on mission. The question is, are you fulfilling the call? For many of us who say we follow Jesus, it's time to leave your nets. Who knows who this guy is? Linus from Charlie Brown. Thumb-sucking, blanket-carrying Linus. Every cartoon and comic of Charlie Brown, Linus always has his security blanket. Except for one moment. There is a moment where Linus drops his blanket. Now, I didn't see this myself. I I saw this. I read this on a blog that really highlighted this a few years back. But we all know the the well-known, famous Charlie Brown Christmas special, right? Right? We all know that scene where they're practicing for the school play, and, and Charlie Brown freaks out, and he says, isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And then Linus says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. You guys know that scene? Okay, I know Christmas is a few... Few, few months away, but I wanted to show you a clip from that. And here's what I'm going to say to you. When you watch this clip, I want you to notice 
when Linus drops his blanket. Okay, watch for that part. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Did you see it? It's when Linus repeats the line that the angel proclaimed, fear not. Fear not, and Linus dropped his blanket and then went on to proclaim the gospel message through the Christmas story. For many of us, it's time to fear not, to leave your nets. And I'm gonna call out the men in particular, Christian men in the house, it's time to drop your security blanket and, stop and start sharing the message. Leave your nets and follow Jesus. Follow him and proclaim his truth to the world. This is what it means to follow Jesus, that we leave our nets and follow him. We go where he goes and we do what he tells us to do and we share the message that he's given to us. We follow Jesus. And we've been walking through this series this summer. We've been using this book, Organic Disciples, as a big resource. Again, it's, it's a call for a natural, organic, day-to-day -day life of being a, a disciple of Jesus. And I love what it says on page 256. It says, the central purpose of this book, Organic Disciples, is that good discipleship leads to a lifestyle of evangelistic outreach. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are on a path of, of, a, of this Christian life, this will lead you to outreach. This will lead you to share the message. For many of us, it's far too long coming. If you are a Christian, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are growing in your faith, this will lead you to share your faith as you engage in organic outreach. The question is, are you? It was about 10 years ago. I had lunch with this guy and he wanted to take me out to lunch because he wanted to talk about how he had kind of just like arrived in his faith, that he had kind of learned everything he needed to learn, he, uh, that devotions didn't really move him in the morning, uh, sermons didn't speak to him, he wasn't getting much out of prayer anymore. He just kind of arrived. And just, he kind of wondered, what's next for me? He was kind of flexing, to be honest. Kind of just saying like, I've kind of mastered this Christianity thing. He wanted to know if there's any hope for him growing in his faith. 
And in a moment that I'm sure was from the Holy Spirit, here's what I asked him. When was the last time you evangelized? And I started to say, when was the last time you shared the message of Jesus? But as soon as I said, when was the last time you evangelized, he kind of like waved me off like this and was like, oh, pastor, that's not my calling. I'm not an evangelist. And at that point, I knew, I realized I need to bring out the big guns. And so what I said to him was, I think what you need is a renewed reliance on the Holy Spirit. You think, you've, you think you're doing this yourself. You need a renewed reliance on the Holy Spirit. And here's what I'm going to tell you, my friend. When you share your faith, you're going to be praying real hard the Spirit shows up. For those of you who feel like, I, just, I, just, I need to grow in my faith. What's the next step? Get out there and start sharing the message of Jesus. Find some confrontation from the other side as you share the faith and you'll realize how much more you need the Spirit. You'll see the Spirit show up and you're going to see God do some great things. Jesus calls to us to be fishers of men. The question is, we teach this to our kids, but are you as adults doing it? If you're not engaged in organic outreach, if you're not engaged in reaching out with your faith, I say this to you in love, but you're kind of like that 30-year-old who still lives at home, still riding on mom and dad's income and won't get a job. Nobody really respects that guy. And I'm not saying there's not times where 30-year-olds need to move in at home. But I'm saying for the vast majority of people, they just don't want to work. And so they're willing to ride the coattails of their mom and dad. Nobody respects that guy. And there's a commercial that was put out recently that I think just highlights this perfectly. Tell me if you've seen this commercial. Son, we're grabbing burgers for dinner if you're interested. Uh, I'm vegan, Walter. You had bacon for breakfast. Okay, Mr. Perfect. Want to really be a rebel? Get off your parents' car insurance. (laughs) For quote-unquote well-established and seasoned Christians who aren't out there in some form or fashion sharing the love and message of Jesus, I say this as a loving challenge to you. You remind me of this guy. Verse 22, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. See, I think for those who say they're Christians, but you're not getting out and reaching organically, are you really much different than this guy? That guy sat in his house living off his parents. How many of us sit here at church living off other people's faith, judging other people for what they're doing? If you really want to be a follower of Jesus, at some point, this is going to lead you to become a fisher of men. And just so I don't trigger anyone in here, the Greek word here for men is anthropos, which is the word that means man, men, mankind, or humankind. It is the generic term that Jesus is using that means all people. So listen, church. I know we're not a church of new believers that we are a majority established believers. But again, this should lead us just to be all the more effective for gospel proclamation in our world around us. But I think for many of us, we've frozen, we've fallen into the the trap of being the frozen chosen. We're chosen by Christ, but we're frozen in our faith. To follow Jesus, that is an action that encompasses your entire identity. No matter what you do for a job, 
We go with him. We follow him into the world with the love and message of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to die on the cross in our place, taking our sins and later rose from the dead. We believe this and we don't share this. No wonder the world is the way it is. Church, we've got the message that can change lives. And if we're going to truly follow Jesus, this is what it means. We leave our nets and follow him. I want to pray for us. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Lord in heaven above, you came on mission to send us on mission. Help us by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to leave our nets, to fear not, and to follow Jesus, to become fishers of men. And Lord, if, those, if there are people who are new to the faith here, Father, I pray that this is a season where they embrace the love that God has for them, that it fills them up to a place that overflows so that they also share the message. And Lord, we, we love this story. We love the gospel message. We love this story. So help us to love to tell this story as we sing these truths in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.